Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A huge engine failure, it appears, for Erica. The smoke funneling out of the back of the car. Stanfield drives by. On this episode, we're joined by Pro Stock winner Greg Anderson and Top Fuel winner Clay Milliken. And it's Trip Tatum for the first time in his career. 370 flat, 330 miles an hour. Looking back at a crazy weekend in St. Louis with two event winners that moved up in the points. Bobby Bodie's 074, and he blows the body off the car. Going through the finish line stripe, Bobby maintains control of the automobile. This is the NHRA Insider. Number 16 is going to take out number one. He left on a, by a day and a half. Both Manson Hines bikes are out, and it is crazy town at Pro Stock Motorcycle. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast. I'm Brian Loans, your host. We are fresh off a great weekend in Madison, Illinois, just across the river from St. Louis at Worldwide Technology Raceway. The NHRA Midwest Nationals certainly did what they seem to do almost every year, provide that hinge point in the center of the countdown of the championship, a hinge point that for some allows the door to swing open and for others allows the door to swing shut. Um, It was warm. It was wild. It was weird at times. And we We have on our show two winners from that event, Greg Anderson, who took home Pro Stock for the second race in a row, and Clay Milliken, who won his third race of the season, and they have won those three races, Chicago, Denver, and now St. Louis. Um, Anything but typical weekends, not just on their performance, but their ability to manage racetracks that are not the easiest to get down. Going to talk to Clay about all that. Going to talk to Greg about his renewed performance and the fact that, well, he was never really totally lost this year. It was never really totally in sync, and now it is over the last couple of races. One of the big shockers, if you will, from St. Louis in terms of the results, the fact that Eric Anders, who has won the race four years running and six times overall, did not win. Uh, it is. It has become, for nearly a half decade, it's become almost a foregone conclusion that the Red Camaro will be in the winner's circle. Did not happen. She does have the points lead, and we'll talk to Greg Anderson about that as well. Of course, there were some tough moments over the course of the weekend, none more so than Angie Smith's horrifying crash. She came across the finish line at 198 miles an hour, uh, reviewing the tape, reviewing the replays. Uh, it does appear the front wheel locked up, the bike laid over on its side, and Angie Smith separated from it on the ground. It was a very, very difficult thing to watch. Uh, she was transported to the hospital. They are reporting that she has uh, two broken feet and will need skin graft work uh, on some of her extremities, of course, as they were skidding along the ground. You know, Tony Stewart was on our show on Sunday with Tony Pedragon and I on FS1, and he had heard that they were going to transport Angie Smith home. They were going to release her from the hospital Sunday and then basically drive her back to North Carolina where she would continue her medical treatments, continue uh, getting all that stuff handled, and immediately got on his phone, uh, called his pilot and got the uh, his airplane uh, to St. Louis. So she was flown home as opposed to the drive, which uh, likely, as well as she was bandaged up, was still likely going to be very arduous uh, and likely painful. So, um, uh, you know, Tony's a great guy. Uh, I think um, the more I've gotten to know Tony, the more I certainly respect him. Always respected him as a race car driver, but as a person, he really does um, – he really does put his money where his mouth is, and if it involves the racing community, um, the guy just knows instinctually how to handle things the right way. So, big props to Tony Stewart on that. Um, I'm sure he's not looking for the not <clears throat> looking for the 
the props, if you will, not looking for the um, accolades, but I think it was a very generous thing that he did and certainly uh, made things more comfortable in a very tough situation for Angie Smith. You know, we look at the other performances of the weekend. You know, the big story coming into Pro Stock Motorcycle before Angie's uh, horrible accident was the fact that Matt Smith was on a Buell motorcycle. In fact, on his championship Buell motorcycle, had been given a pass by the folks at Suzuki to get on his Buell, and it performed well, uh, but it did not perform well enough to hang with Gage Herrera. And then really after Angie's accident, Matt was there. Matt went rounds. Matt is a tried-and-true professional but I have to believe some part of him was uh, was wanting to get the heck out of there and get back to uh, get back to helping Angie uh, convalesce um, after what she went through in qualifying. So Gage Herrera wins the race, races Eddie Krawick in the final and beats him. Um, Joe Costello told an interesting story on Sunday night that um, because it was the two Vance and Hines Mission Food Suzuki's, they flipped a coin to see which guy would be on which side of the racetrack. Now, the left lane, uh, and this will likely come up in conversation with Greg Anderson and, and Clay Milliken, left lane was a tricky one to traverse all weekend long. Uh, we did see good runs out of that lane. We did see winning runs out of that lane, including Greg Anderson's winning run, uh, including Clay Milliken's winning run. And so it's I'm not you know throwing the place under the bus or throwing the lane under the bus, but it was out of the two of them the lesser of the two preferred lanes. And that goes all the way to motorcycles as well. So they basically flipped a washer. They wrote L on one side, R on the other. I think uh, Eddie got to pick basically heads or tails. And so Eddie ended up on the more favorite side of the racetrack. But Gage Herrera, a uh, human motorcycle drag racing machine that he is, did his job perfectly in the final round, rode the bike to another win, and has established himself as effectively 100 points ahead of the rest of the field. Um you know, points and a half at Pomona keeps things a little bit interesting. But if we see Gage Herrera go out and win at the Texas Motorplex at the Fall Texas Nationals in a couple of weeks, I just uh, I don't see it happening. Uh, you know, unless the bike gets lost, unless you know whatever, some sort of wacko stuff happens. But um, he is he's earning his keep, and he is proving uh, run by run that uh, this guy is no fleeting talent. He's somebody that uh, should probably be earmarked for uh, close study in the coming years of pro stock motorcycle competition. And finally, in Nitro Funny Car, Matt Hagen. You know, we had the American Rebel colors on. Uh, the owner of American Rebel was there, so that's always great when the sponsor's in the house and you can hand him, physically hand it in the Wally at the top end. The American Rebel guy was blown away because um, Matt just looked at him, handed him the trophy, and said, this is yours. And the guy was like, the guy was all over it. So um, I think that American Rebel partnership is uh, as strong as we're going to see it and getting stronger uh, by the week. And, you know, the, the storyline on Matt Hagen, we talked about it on the show, and, and Tony was right there with us too, which I thought was great insight. Uh, Tony brought up the fact that, or I brought up the fact to Tony that, listen, Matt's been a little bit outspoken talking about how he, he just wants to see a more aggressive approach to the funny car. He wants to see them pressing harder, wants to see them pushing harder. And, you know, Tony said they got everybody in the room and sat down and, and talked it out. And and people, you know, it's that's the way you deal with it in a professional sports team or a business. You get in the room, you talk about why things are being done a certain way, and if they're not working, how do you fix them or how do you go forward from where you're at? And what I thought was kind of funny – overall about the St. Louis race and, and what we have been seeing out of those cars recently is that this was the most like dial back the performance style race we've had in a long time uh, this season because of the heat, uh, because of the grip on the racetrack, because of all the factors, the sun, we had barely any cloud covers, like full sun the whole weekend effectively. So 
because of that, if you're overly aggressive, which we saw plenty of on Sunday, you're going to smoke the tires and lose. So uh, we will get back to the conditions where you really have to show up with uh, with everything you got and throw it on the racetrack. Typically, Pomona's uh, is that for the final race of the year. But it's always funny how things work out in sports, whether it's drag racing or the NFL or anything else, that you kind of get you get in a box a little bit. You get in this tunnel vision. We have to do this. We have to do this. We have to do this. And then you're presented with a set of circumstances that really doesn't allow you to do that at all, and you end up succeeding with a really a, a different approach. So congratulations to Hagen, uh, Venables, the entire crew there of the Tony Stewart Nitro Funny Car team. I had a really interesting moment with Stewart in the booth. Uh, we were between rounds. It was just he and I sitting uh, in the booth together, and he looked up, and he realized that Kevin Harvick, who, of course, races for Stewart Haas Racing in NASCAR, was leading Talladega with like a lap and a half to go. And so as a uh, racing motorhead geek that I am, to be able to sit next to that guy in kind of a quiet private environment and have him moment by moment, move by move, position by position, break down the strategy of how you need to drive at Talladega to win a NASCAR race was unbelievably cool and just super dork fun Um and his, you know, he he watched it, and, and Harvick was leading, and Harvick got out ahead of the, the the pack, and he's always out too far, he's out too far, and sure enough, as he was saying it, he gets sucked right back in again, finished second, uh, ends up losing the race by about a foot, but it was it was neat to be in that room and see a guy who's uh, invested all across motorsports. He's got a funny car to top fuel going to the final. He's working on the TV show with Pedregon and I, and next thing you know, he's looking up in his NASCAR stock car is, is trying to win one of the more iconic races at one of the more iconic racetracks in the country. So uh, that that was that's a little core memory. I don't think I'm going to be giving away anytime soon. Just a very, very fun experience with a, uh, with a uniquely qualified guy on the chat there. So that is uh, that is the situation. I think you know if we take a quick peek at our championship points right now, we know that Greg Anderson is in second. We're going to talk to him about that in pro stock. Leah Pruitt has moved into the second position in top fuel with her final round appearance against Clay Milliken. Um, the Code 3 Associates colors this weekend, Neil Strasbaugh, the entire team, those guys are just absolutely clicking. Leah came in has held on to that fourth spot a little while. They've gone some rounds each week, but going to this final round took her and pushed her ahead of both Justin Ashley and Steve Torrance. She is 47 points out of the championship lead, still held by Doug Coletta. In Nitro Funny Car, Bob Tasker III is now the points leader. He surpassed Robert Height. This is also a, a, a minuscule six-point lead. I mean, it's barely anything, but Bob Tasker III is leading Height. Hagen is third, and Hagen is only 13 back. So we look at Funny Car, there is a logjam of people that are within basically a round. We go to Pro Stock, and we'll talk to Greg Anderson, but he is now second in the points. He is trailing Erica by 25, so a round and some qualifying points, and he could grab the points lead. And obviously, you know, she would have loved to have won that race for the extra bump she would have gotten, but, you know, Hartford is still very much in this conversation as well. Uh, we go down to his total. He is about 40 back, so again, we're talking a couple of rounds here. Uh, but if things go badly for a points leader early in an event, you can make that up no sweat especially points and a half in Pomona. And Gage Herrera, as mentioned, effectively a 100-point lead over Matt Smith, who is in second place. Um, and then the, the lingering questions will be, one, um, which bike is Matt Smith going to be on when we get to Texas? And then two, 
what is the situation scenario with the bike that Angie was on, who will be on it, and will it be at the race? There's some, I'm going to say controversy, there's some discussion going on on the internet right now that Matt wants the bike back. And this is as of Tuesday following St. Louis. He hasn't gotten it back yet. Uh, still an impound, I guess, for review. And I think in the next couple of days we'll get uh, more clarity and answers on how that plays out. But uh, if you follow Pro Stock Motorcycle on the Internet, you know that it's buzzing. That is the big uh, topic of conversation so far this week as to the location and um, who has Angie Smith's motorcycle. And, again, follow along. On social, follow along at NHRA.com. You'll be, uh, I, I feel, you'll be learning more about that as the days go by. So uh, that is my rant to get things started here about St. Louis. Our first guest will be Greg Anderson. We will have him on in a moment. So you do need to hang out with us here. It's the NHRA Insider Podcast, post-St. Louis edition. And when we come back, Greg Anderson's hitting leadoff. All right, welcome back to the NHRA Insider Podcast. I have my first guest on the show this week. He is a back-to-back pro stock winner, driver of the HendrickCars.com, Summit Racing Equipment Camaro. Greg Anderson, how you doing, man? Hey, Brian, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. You uh, you have been doing probably better than anybody in this sport over the last couple of weeks, though. Let's talk about that for a second. Um, not that this performance has come out of nowhere, but it certainly has come at the right time. So is this one of those things that was kind of building up and it finally is the dam broke open, or, or what's going on over there? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good explanation. It, it definitely has been a, a bit of a flat season for me. I seem that like no matter what I did, it, it just we could not put the pieces together, and it was a case of uh, you know basically every race we would go to, every run down the racetrack, either the driver would make a mistake, or the car would make a mistake, and, and unfortunately in this class you can't have any of that. And, and we were doing it pretty much run by run, and certainly on Sundays and. You know, for for those reasons, we weren't able to win races, but the performance was was Thanks, good. God. Yeah, yeah, great guy. Performance yeah. was good. We just couldn't uh, we couldn't put all the all the pieces together on race day and make perfect runs. And you have to in this class. You have to make perfect runs, driver and car, or you know you don't have a chance to win. And to me, what's so interesting is you know you talk about that needing to be basically perfect on both ends of it, and winning back to back in this category is is even kind of a unique thing anymore. So. Why is it, or how is it, on on kind of both ends of that? For you personally, we've seen you hit the tree. I mean, I've, I think the last two races you've driven probably better than you have all season long as a as an aggregate whole. Um, and is that anything to do with an, a change of approach, or is that simply like once you find it, you find that slot, you find that groove in the in the race car, and you kind of maintain it? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. As I said, we were just we were just minorly minorly off, just yeah. with little things. It didn't take really any major changes or anything and as far as the driving end of it and the reaction time i wish i could answer that brian yeah. you know you've tried just as hard every <laughs> doggone week and, and for some reason just doesn't come up but if you find some way to do it right once or twice and you gain a little confidence then that that you know spirals and, and it continues on so yeah i don't really have the exact formula on why everything worked perfectly this weekend but it did i just hope and pray i can do it again and, and you know how it is when you yeah, when you get up in age, you're 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 probably not as consistent. It's a mind game, Brian. There's no question about that. It's not a, a physical deal. That that reaction time is a mind game, and probably you know as you get up in age, that gets a little bit weak on you. And I, I don't, I'm not a country music follower. I don't really know the artist. I don't really know the song or the exact lyrics. But it goes something like, "I'm not as good as I once was." Like, <laughs> right. You know, one time I can do it as good as I ever did, or some damn thing like that. And I guess that's my. That's that's me. I can't seem to do it every time anymore, but I can do it once in a while. 
and you know, once in a while was the other day. So just hope and pray I can have a couple more once in a while the rest of the season. And look, I think uh, in that in that regard, we have three races left. So so it's almost maybe a comfort to you, right? If you look at it, it's one thing if you're two, three races into a, a, a dozen-plus race season. But now when you only got three left, I think some people look at that nervously. I'm guessing you might be looking at that as a positive because you have to dial it up only three more times, which is still a lot. But over the course of a year, you have literally come on at the right time. I mean, it's, it's almost uncanny. And you've set yourself up now for this last three-race stretch better than anybody in the class. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's almost to the point of we're, we're – we're probably down to five or six cars that it's it's basically yeah. like sudden death playoffs right now. We've got a three race shootout. You know who can do the best over three races? That's really what it's going to come down to. And and I I say it all the time. You have to be as a driver and as a car. You have to be darn near perfect to have a chance to win this class. And that's a tall order for everybody. You know, as fast as all these cars can be, it's very difficult to make them be fast every single run and the driver be on every single run so who can do that out of the half a dozen drivers or so that are still left yeah still left who could do that the rest of the way i don't know i can't pick it i, I can't honestly pick the favorite i can't tell you who's you know should be able to get it done it could be any one any one of a half a dozen people so we'll see it's going to be a great great pro stock run that i'm assured of and, and i just uh I'm thankful to be one of those cars. You rolled the new car out at Indy, and obviously, you know, you've gone back to the old car. Not that there's nothing wrong with the new car, but it is a new car that's going to be sorted out over time. And at this point in the season, uh, you need, as you keep saying, you need perfection, and, and you have, to some degree, you have that in a, in a known quantity in the old car. When you rolled that car out at Indy, was the mindset you had at Indy different than the mindset you had now? For instance, was it an idea of, okay, you know what? Let's just chalk this one up to we're going to run this countdown with this new car and get ourselves set up for 24? Or um, was it simply, hey, I need, a, I need a change of pace here. I need a change of surrounding to try to get something going for myself personally. Well, basically, it was it was the last chance I would have to try and do something different before the playoffs started. And I, I certainly don't ever want to give up a race. And the last race I'd ever want to right. just basically go and experiment <laughs> at would be Indy. I love that race. Right. That race means more to me than the whole season, I think. So I didn't want to go there to experiment, and I didn't think it was going to be that way. But I, I, I the reason we brought out the new car is you're hoping you're always searching. I hadn't built a new car in, I don't know, five, six, seven years. Wow. And we, we were hoping that possibly with this new car we could find a little more performance. Yep. That's why we did it. Unfortunately, the car just struggled to make straight runs, make quality runs. Yeah. So we just decided to, you know, cut bait and go back to the car that was, you know, had a thousand runs on it and, and would go straight 90% of the time and, and we'll work on the on the new car in the off season. But, you know, the reason we brought it out to begin with, Brian, was we were looking for a little more, more performance yeah. before we got into the playoffs. And, uh, yeah, it looked kind of weird because here you are at Indy. The race that's the most important to me, and you, you're basically experimenting. So maybe it wasn't the best call, but we took a shot. Yeah, looking for performance, and I guess it just didn't pan out. So that's that's for another day. When we look back at all your different championship seasons, you've had seasons where you've led from wire to wire. You've had seasons where you know middle part of the year you've come on strong. Have you ever had one that's kind of played out like this one in that? Um, you know, most of the regular season was okay, but it wasn't what you wanted it to be. But now, you know, now you've basically elbowed everybody else out of the way and you're second in the points at, at this moment. It's, it's, it's kind of wild. You've never been that high up this whole year. So have you ever had a championship season that has come on in the back of it as strong as this one has? 
No, absolutely not. I've never gone into the playoffs that lowest seed. I went in number seven or eight. Yeah. I forget what it was. I've never gone in that low. So completely different deal for me. And yeah, I had one chance chance to to, to uh, make something happen, and I go to Reading and I lose first round. And, and you know, it was a crazy weekend because I didn't qualify bad there. I think I qualified third or fourth, yeah. something like that. But that's the weekend that Matt Hartford had his difficulties with yes. electrical problems in his cars, and he couldn't make a run. And lo and behold, he gets qualified opposite of me first round. And I knew all all darn well, first round, he's going to have it figured out, and the car's going to be fast. And it was. Yeah. And I got whipped. So a little bit of bad luck there that I got him first round, or maybe I'd have a few more points than I have now. But that's drag racing, as they say. So got schwacked in the face there. And, you know, you can't win that championship the first race out, but you can sure right. as heck lose it. And I did my best to lose it because I had gone in the number seven seed, and I lost first round pretty much over. Unless miracles, you know, happens the next race, and I've had a couple of miracles happen the next race, and I'm back in the fight. Yeah, and, and oftentimes we'll talk about racers that you know, the, oh, this guy needs help to actually get the job done. But and and a lot of times we're talking to like that in Pomona, you know, like okay, well, if this this and this breaks his way, he has a chance to do it. Um, you actually got that help early, which is is totally wild. And on the second on the second half of that, do you do you like the idea? of being just close enough with three races left. Do you like the idea of being the guy looking through your windshield and not the rearview mirror for these last three races? I mean, is there is there a little bit of freedom in being number two right now as opposed to being up on top of the points? Well, I don't think that any one of these top six cars can say they have any freedom. Not the leader, not the number six guy. There's there's no room for a mistake to be made. Honestly, the rest of the way, or you're probably going to be out. And, and there's so many landmines to step on out there. Everybody can beat everybody right now. So yeah. every every round, first round on, as I said before, is like racing a final round. So the way I look at it, we got 12 final rounds coming up. You hope you can participate in as many of them as you can and find a way to win them. It's, it's going to be crazy. But no, nobody's breathing, breathing free that they're number one or number two or number three because the gap is, you know, five, ten points, 20 points between the next guy, and that's one round. And anybody in this class right now can lose first round in the blink of an eye. So it's uh, there's no room to breathe, absolutely not. I would love to be going in 300 points ahead. <laughs> right, and I might right, right. That's not going to happen with anybody by the look of it. This deal looks like it's going to come down to Pomona, so... Nobody will be sleeping well for the next few weeks. Pretty challenging racetrack uh, this weekend. I mean, we combine the heat, the surface is a little touch and go, especially over there on that left-hand side. Um, I know when we talked about the fuel cars, they were really trying to avoid that left-hand lane. Uh, you got stuck over there, and it obviously you negotiated the track perfectly well enough to win the race, but as far as cars set up and, and managing the racetrack, was it a little bit more difficult there than, say, probably what we'll see at the Motorplex? It was, absolutely. And yeah, it all comes down to what you see for weather at the Motorplex, yeah. but the long-range forecast looks pretty good. looks like low 80s. So, yes, the Motorplex will be the Motorplex. It'll be great, and, and you probably won't have that big a challenge. So performance is going to mean more than anything. And I'm not going to lie to these first three races. Our performance yeah. has been good, but that red car has been faster than we have. And she's gained a lot of qualifying points, a lot of bonus points that we haven't so not only are you going to have to find a way to you know win rounds on sunday but somehow some way we got to find a way to get a few bonus points or you know she's going to rack up round wins just by getting bonus points so you know she hasn't won erica hasn't won any one of the first three races yeah. of the playoffs she didn't go into it leading and she's still in the point lead so that tells you how many bonus points she's been able to get and how tough they've been racing but the bottom line is you know performance means a lot. It means a ton of bonus points, but still, come race day, 
you've got to do the job. You've got to manage that racetrack round by round by round. And somehow, some way, my guys have been able to do a great job of that the last two weeks. And that's why I've been able to win. We just flat outraced them on Sunday. We have outperformed them. We've outraced them. As a uh, you know gazillion time champion, hundred and three or hundred and two race winner, hundred and three, I should say. Um, have you talked to Matt Harford at all when this countdown started? Because he's in a place he's never been before, really. With the I think the pressures of what he's dealing with, having been leading the points, still really in the chase of things. Is uh, has he come to you for any kind of conversation about dealing with any of that? He has not, and and <laughs> he's. He's doing a hell of a job, so I, I yeah. don't know what I could offer him any different. Just keep doing what you're doing. He's doing a hell of a job, and he's, he's you know, eight times out of ten, he's able to outrun me with my same equipment. So <laughs> I have to talk to him. Yeah. Whatever they're doing, congrats, man. You, you're, 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 in, you're on a hell of a run this year, and you've got a great shot at a championship. I guess you better just keep doing, doing what you're doing because it's been better than what we've been doing. But it's, uh, it's a crazy year, and there's so many quality teams, so many quality cars out there. That's what we all want, right? That's what yep. the fans want. That's that's what we want as racers. We got it. it it's ultra creating, but but it's great. It's great for the class, and uh, I couldn't be more proud of this pro stock class than I am right now. It's, it's the strongest it's ever been. It's got the most parity. It's ever got the most depth it's ever had. And you can't, uh, you know, I'm certainly on the inside. Be like insider trading. I couldn't pick a winner right now. I can't pick who the favorite is. Well, pound for pound, I think I think you're right. I think you know we can go back and we can look at the days of oh man, you know, 32 pro stock cars showed up to Indy X Y Z year, but 32 cars didn't show up to win that race. And and really, I think when we start looking at those the the era of the really giant fields, we're going to go back to the same conversation that it was four or five cars that really had an, an actual opportunity to win that race, as opposed to what you've mentioned before. You know what we're seeing today is the fact that really top to bottom we're seeing spreads of what four five hundreds max really from one to 16 on most of these races and then we add in that the youth contingent that is probably as strong as it's ever been in the category and it is if if it's it's one of those classes right now where you don't necessarily have to know a whole lot about drag racing to understand how difficult it is to win in a pro stock car in 2023 yeah it's incredible it's just absolutely crazy and and uh and I, I just don't know what to think. I, I said, I think after Reading or, or after Charlotte, I forget what it was, that, that whoever's going to win this championship is going to have to win at least two, yeah. if not three races, to win a championship. Well, here I am. I've won two of them already. I'm still not even at a point lead. So, yeah, <laughs> right. i got to reevaluate. It's going to take three or four. How are you going to do that in this class? Win four of the six races. That, that's pretty difficult task. So I, that's what it's going to take, I think. And I don't know how we're going to get it done, but the bar has just been raised so high. It's just incredible right now. So, you know, that that's what it's going to take, certainly for me to be able to win. And I'm going to have to find a way to win a couple more of these races. And, you know, how do you string off four in a row or three out of, three out of four or four out of five with the competition we have? That's a, a he-man effort. We're absolutely going to try. But, man, I don't know what the odds would be on something like that. That'd be pretty slim. You mentioned uh, when you won Charlotte that, you know, that everybody has these kind of internal questions they ask themselves, you know, can I still do it? Can I actually still succeed in doing this? And, again, you were never totally off the page here. It was just it was just that small the, – the planets were not quite aligning for you. But how how deep did that doubt go? Like was that was that real doubt? Like was there any point in the season that you actually had some real some real kind of soul searching to do? It wasn't. It never got that doubt. It never got that deep because the you know the distance between you know my performance and the car's yeah. performance and winning races was small. Yeah. But 
Yeah, it absolutely goes through your mind, and you certainly get asked that question, and certainly yeah. from the outside, it probably looked like, well, maybe it's time for him to step away. So sure, you ask yourself that question, and the answer is always the same. When I feel to myself that I can't win in this class anymore, I'm getting out. I'm not going to stay to, to to place or show. Yeah. I come to win, and when I feel I can't win, I'm out. So, yeah, definitely ask my question, myself that question several times this year in these last couple of races that I guess – confirmed that I made the right decision sticking it out and it's not time yet I don't know when that day will be maybe a week from now Brian or maybe two years I don't know but that's the answer when I can't win in this class anymore that's when I step out so uh, I guess as of today I can't step out how much satisfaction well you weren't in the winner's circle in your own car is there still a degree of satisfaction with KB Titan Engines performing as they have this year you don't necessarily feel the same when when somebody else wins but when they're using your power there has to be a little bit of satisfaction in that right yeah i've been very 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 proud you know a lot of new players that right right now this year with this team a lot of things to work out and and get everybody to gel together and work together towards the same goal and yes i've probably been the weak link as as far as the driver end i haven't won this year up until these last couple races so you know all i had was to be proud of all the rest of the guys i couldn't really be proud of myself so i certainly am and i have been and proud of this race team And, and they treat it they treat everyone that races on this race team equal, and, and I love that. It, it's it's very hard not only to beat the competition out there and the other big teams, you know, the elite teams and, and all the other great teams out there, but trying to beat your own equipment that you put all your blood, sweat, and tears <laughs> in and try and make as good as you possibly can to kick your own butt. That That's what's really tough to get over that and, and be okay with that. But I've, got, I've gotten past that. I am okay with that. And it happens way more than it does happen. So I guess I better get used to it. That's just the way it is these days. That's the new business model, and that's the way it's going to be. So, yeah, proud of the team. So one last question before I let you get back at it. Uh, when we do look down the road at, at Dallas, this is a place where you've uh, you've been able to put the cowboy hat on uh, at the end of the weekend. Um, as much as we talk about some of these races being make or break, do you feel like Dallas is make or break? Do you feel like it's it, we oh, it's a, such a cliche? Oh, it's a must win. Well, I don't know if it is a must win. Is is your success or failure when you roll out of the motorplex really predicated on what Erica does regarding the points lead? If you don't leave there with a points lead, is it is it a crushing thing for you, or do you just simply look down the road? Well, you just have to find a way to avoid those early round exits, Brian. And, yeah. and it's that's way more difficult than it used to be because, as I said, you can get matched up with anybody first round. Yeah. And you can get back matched up with the toughest car in the class first round. So it's 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 just a challenge. And it's, it's a final round first round. It's a final round second round. And Dallas is a great racetrack for me. I love racing there. I've had a lot of great success. Vegas is too. Pomona is too. But that gets you nothing, Brian. It, that you know, that's, <laughs> yeah. it's not a guarantee for anything. You yeah. still have to go every single day and race the race and race the competition. And uh, I love the fact that they're feel good racetracks for me. I've had experience there. I've had good luck there. But it really, it's not going to guarantee yeah. anything. I got to go perform. Simple as that. You got to go get the job done. So that's what we're all going to be trying to do. And and. I certainly haven't made any friends these last two weeks by, you know, being able to find winner circle the last two weeks. So I don't expect that the competition is going to be taking me lightly anymore or thinking I'm over the hill and thinking that I have no chance. So it's going to be tougher from here on out to win. So, you know, the bar just keeps getting raised. Absolutely keeps getting raised. And that's the beauty of this class. So 
man, let's go. Let's let's get some bloody knuckles and go forward here. We will be racing at the Stampede of Speed. We have a week off before we get there. Greg Anderson, I suspect, will be the hardest-working guy. The rest of us will be hanging out, doing stuff. He'll be locked into a dino cell. Greg, thank you very much for taking the time today. Thank you very much, Brian. Appreciate it. Looking forward to the rest of the year. When we come back, we'll have Clay Milliken, the top fuel winner from last weekend's event in St. Louis. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the NHRA Insider Podcast. Great conversation with Greg Anderson, taking us out of pro stock and now moving into Top Fuel Eliminator, our St. Louis winner, none other than Mr. Clay Milliken. Sir, how are you? Man, if I gripe, you'd be wrong. <laughs> Man, what a freaking weekend we had in St. Louis. I mean, it was awesome. And, you know, it's kind of up Greg Anderson. You know, that dude... He, he just keeps winning. It's, it's amazing. He, he's so impressive. He come over and, and kind of give me the knuckles, and he's like, old guys still still get it done. <laughs> and, and he met both of us, obviously. It was awesome. No, it was great. And, you know, it was a, to me, it was a really cool winner's circle. I mean, you look, at the, you look at the guys that were standing in that thing, and, you know, you got big Matt Hagen there. You got, you know, Gage Herrera that's just having the, the season of all seasons. And you and, and, and Greg, you know, these are – you know, four established commodities, which I always think it's cool. Every winter circle, you you know this because you've been in them, but they all have their own personality. But that was a pretty good grouping to be up there with. It was, you know, and uh, of course Gage has been up there a lot, but right. he he was there at uh, Chicago, and then uh, you know shared the winter circle with Hagen at Denver. So I mean, it's it's pretty cool, you know. I. I'm trying to make myself make that a habit. Exactly. Well, listen, it's it's been it's been an interesting season. We're going to go through all that, but the first thing I want to say, something I said on the show, and I think you'll agree with this, but I after the fact you win and, and we're kind of doing a wrap up or whatever. I said, you know, I said the one thing that I think is exceptionally cool about this is winning top fuel with a car that has Edelbrock and comp cams down the side of it and letters three feet tall. To me, there is something there is something really awesome about that if you're a gearhead. Oh man, it's been the coolest thing. You know, we we did the Edelbrock Comp Car last year. It's just so iconic. Yeah. Both names, yeah, both names. You know, and uh, I grew up a Comp Cams guy. They're you know they're an hour away from me. I've been down there a bazillion times <laughs> in my life. You know, and and they've expanded. They've got a great big new place in Olive Branch, Mississippi, which ain't much further away. And as a matter of fact, I'm driving Dentley down there on Saturday. They've got an open house oh, cruise nice. going on, and it'll be like the uh, the first real long test drive of Dentley. So no, that's great. Man. Have, yeah. So, but I mean that that company's you know both company names are are such a huge part of everything hot yep. rod yep. racing hot rod you name it. I mean it's it's so cool. No, it's it's uh, it was just a little bit of icing on the cake. So let's talk about baking that cake because, you know, the you you, you guys to me are the, the the weird track specialists. Okay, so you went in Chicago on a on a racetrack that was unfamiliar to so many people because no, nothing had been down it for a year. You go up and win in Denver, which of course is one of the hardest places that uh, we go to to win in any form or fashion in any class. And then we get to St. Louis, and this might have been one of the hardest racetracks to navigate of the entire season. <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, it's, it's Jimmo. You know, he's he's definitely got something going on with hot racetracks. I I know you and I talked about this some. Yeah. It's like there's a number. I think Jimmo calls it a line in the sand of ninety degrees. If the track is below ninety degrees, 
we're in, you know, we're in trouble. If it's above 90 <laughs> degrees, we might be holding the Wally. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just crazy. You know, I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but the a number of times that our car's been down the racetrack, when it's cool, you know, that uh, below 90 degree thing Got is go. very small. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, we just, I don't know, you know. Whatever it is that we're doing right for the hot racetrack don't work for the cold racetrack, but I just keep thinking, well, it's going to be hot in Dallas. We'll be good. <laughs> yeah, hey, I'm looking, it's looking like mid, uh, mid-high mid 80s already, so yeah, that that might be right in your guys' wheelhouse. I want to talk yeah. about the, the left lane, uh, which was you know difficult for people to get down all, all weekend. Now, you guys, of course, won the race from over there. Greg Anderson won the race from over there. But what I was seeing, and, and I'm interested if this, if my eyes were lying to me or not, was it seems like the strategy there was to get the car set up on the inside to leave and then almost work it to the far outside by the time you got to the finish line. Is that what I was seeing, or is that just camera tricks? Uh, I mean, it was it was definitely what you were seeing. You know, yeah. Jimbo was moving me over, you know, and, and we made so many runs over there. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, I, I kind of just uh, started doing it on my own, gotcha. you know, uh, but the the car was trying to be a little bit of a handful, a couple of runs. Uh, the tracks got some bumps in it. Yeah, I mean, we were, we were seeing the front end off the ground, you know, down track, just some bumps, you know. But man, it's hard to believe how many. People were at that place, though, considering it was closed a few years ago. Oh, yeah. No, the crowd was unbelievable. I mean, Friday was good. Saturday was a sellout. Uh, Sunday looked like a sellout. I don't know if they announced it or not, but it was it was like the exact situation you want to be in, to me, in this kind of playoff late season environment. Like, people were just, I mean, they were, it was full. No other way to say it. The place was full. It really was. And, I mean, you know, we've been going there enough that you just see these improvements. Yeah. And yes, me and you are sitting here making some complaints about the, the track surface. Well, yeah, it's not even, it's not even complaints. It's just it's a recognition of what's there, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm a complaint. It's bumpy. <laughs> <laughs> I was riding in a car that was, uh, you know, going 330 miles an hour that had front end in the air. Crazy. You know? So it's uh, it's a challenge, but like you said, and you know, it seems to be Jimmo's wheelhouse. You know, to, to take tough, rough conditions and turn them into wallies you know it's it has been just crazy you know when you think about you got one guy that's won six six of these things this year yeah what are we at now eight winners i believe eight so different eight different winners think, yeah eight, eight winners 18 races you know it's it, i've got a few you know antron's got a few and then you got some sprinkles of ones and twos here and there you know for me though obviously you know the it's just been an amazing season. You know, I would love to think where we might be at had we been a little more consistent. Oh, sure, sure. But at the same time, when I know it's going to be hot, man, I, I feel pretty good about our chances. You know, and, that, and I wanted to talk to you about that, too, in terms of, you know, season highs and lows or whatever. This has been kind of a weird one because obviously three wins. This is a successful year by any measure. I mean, Rick Weir has to be very happy with the results that he's seeing out of this team with the, the multiple victories. How much of it is, 
it, it, let's say that the let's say those three wins were final round appearances, but you didn't win those three races, and then you have, of course, early round exits, which is why you guys are right now eighth in the points, but you have a really good opportunity to make some hay here over the next couple of races. But in terms of like the emotional wavelengths of the season, up and down, does having the three wins take the edge off of the early round losses more than it would have if those three wins were runners up? I don't. I don't know. You know. I mean. I can tell you that. Rick's goal has been to make a final. He he's called me and Donna <laughs> multiple times at multiple weird hours. Just about, I can't believe this. I can't believe what y'all have done. You know, it's just more than I ever dreamed. You know, he and he said it. You know, he's like, man, if we could just make a make a final, I'd been over the top. And to win three of them, you know, he, he's definitely on cloud nine about it. I mean, he woke me up Sunday morning or Monday morning in, in St. Louis cause he was still fired up talking about it, you know? And, and he was, uh, <laughs> he was actually kind of talking a little bit about it, that I guess one of Tony Stewart's cars almost won Talladega. And of course we raced. Yes. And, and he was just ecstatic about, you know, a couple of NASCAR guys over here doing pretty well, you know, and, and Tony almost basically, Tripling up, I guess it would be if he won Talladega and, you know, Funny Car and Top Fuel. You know, it's it's pretty cool. But Rick's been fired up about it. And, you know, I, I just wish he could come more often. But obviously, he's got a lot of stuff going on in a lot of places. Yeah, absolutely. And, and he was like kind of blowing up Stewart's phone because Tony was with us in the booth. So um, when this the final round was established that it was going to be you and Leah, Tony's phone started going crazy and he held it up. He held it up. He's like, hey, this is Rick Ware. He's all he is all fired up about having the two NASCAR, uh, you know, the two NASCAR team owners also having their their cars in the top fuel final. And I, I was able to sit in there and watch the end of Talladega next to Stewart. I told the story at the beginning of the show, but um you know, it's the equivalent of being able to sit and watch a drag race with Don Garlitz to a degree, right? I'm sitting there watching the stock car race getting an education. I mean, this guy's showing me stuff <laughs> that I never even knew what to look for. So, um, you know, that whole thing was pretty great. And, you know, we look at your position right now, sitting eighth. Honestly, another good weekend, you guys could be a top five team. Like, you're in the thick of this big clump of cars right now in the points. So the eighth is almost a little deceptive because it can change so quickly in a positive fashion. It is just been so crazy, you know, the bottom part of the playoff cars. You yeah. know, it's just every round moves spots. You know, it, it's yeah. a, it, it's incredible. And to be honest, it's kind of that way at the top of the field, too, you know. For sure. <laughs> it is not over with, you know. Do we have a shot at winning the championship? Elon Werner keeps telling me we do. You know, he's like, but we probably need to win them all you know but uh and i wouldn't be mad about that but it is definitely going to be all eyes watching every car that's that's there because you know our goal had been top 10 you sure. know with with all the new parts pieces people all the things our goals top 10 and that's no guarantee having won three races you know i mean it's yeah. just it is going to be so much fun, and it has been fun, to be honest with you. One more thing on Rick. So Absolutely. I, we are bringing the trophy. We're headed to the media center. He calls me. About can't understand him. You know, he's so fired up. <laughs> and, you know, he's he, he just makes makes you want to do good. He's such a good guy. He You know, he, he loves drag racing. I mean, 
I don't know how it's taken him so long to get here that he that he's so fired up about it. I mean, he knows history. He, I can mention, you know, uh, if you pick a name, you know, Arnie Farmer Beswick, he'll start telling you, man, you know, he did this, this, and this. You know, he's he yeah, might he's be after it. your job, Brian. I don't know. You <laughs> he know, probably he, is. He knows, a, <laughs> he knows a lot of the history. It's it's really cool for. You know, nobody thinks of him as a drag race guy, but at the same time, he really does know it and love it. I mean, it's just so cool to, to work with a guy that's so fired up about it. No, it is. And and that, you know, that motivation, we talk about teams and we talk about how teams operate. Um, I do feel like you got to have somebody passionate at the top of one of these things so it, it trickles down. You know, if you have an owner that doesn't really care what happens and doesn't show a lot of interest and even, you know, doesn't make it out to the racetrack or isn't, you know, not necessarily hands-on to the engine, but hands-on with the people and operation of the team, you can't tell me that's going to be a championship level team. You got to have that. You got to have that person at the top. That's the a cheerleader when they got to be a cheerleader. Uh, maybe a drill sergeant when they got to be a drill sergeant. But but they have to be emotionally invested. No doubt about it. I mean, one of the selling points to me when you know this whole thing was getting put together is uh, the top fuel car is going to be in my office. So it's it's <laughs> literally he, he can walk out of his office right into the top fuel shop. You know, that's it's, wild. Uh, he's invested. No, no, no doubt about it. He's invested. That's for sure. And it makes it makes my job a lot easier. Have you seen in a good way? Have you seen a change in, you know, you always call them the kids, but the kids that are working on the car. Have you seen a change in them now that they've done this three times now that they've won three times? And if you have, what has that change been? You know, I don't think I have really. Yeah. They are. Man, they. I don't even know how to describe them. So we throw the belt off twice yeah. This in eliminations. You know, the car's not making full pulls. Thank goodness it's running good enough to get there. And we have a broken front cover. We've got 55 minutes to change the motor. Yikes. They've got the music blasting. I'm pacing. I'm, I'm signing a few <laughs> autographs. I'm, I'm like, okay you know and they're singing and just they're just so fun to watch because i don't know they click together you know that they, they just get the things done and i don't think they've really changed a lot you know do they have a little more spring in their step probably yeah you know yeah. uh but were they just as fired up sunday as they were in Chicago. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> they definitely were. You know, it's uh, it's just a good group of young people, and I gotta, you know, just say that that it's been the right fit of people. You Makes know, sense. anytime you you mix and match, you know, people. We we've, we've got four. I call them kind of. They were the core group that come from Doug Stringer. You know, and the one thing that I'll say about them is. They they just keep their heads down and yeah. they just go. You know, I was I was hearing that fifty five minute thing, then hearing we got to change the short block. I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> you know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. We were warmed up, and uh, you know, for whatever reason, Top Fuel actually run before Funny Car. You know, so we were sitting on go. They're just good, and they're 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 making me act like a kid a little more often than. I usually do anyway because when you got a group of people that are just sweating and busting their yeah. knuckles and 
and singing at the same time. It's hard not to be pumped up about it. Yeah, look, and I think that, you know, some of that goes to Jim O too because, you know, I I, I think it sounds to me like he gives them the freedom to do their jobs in the way that they want to do them as long as they get done correctly, right? Is there, you know, there? I'm sure there are other pit areas where the first thing that would have happened when that situation came up was that the radio would have gone totally off, let alone the volume gone up. The radio would have been probably thrown out the back of the trailer and, and everybody would have gotten the job done. But, you know, that's what makes great teams. The great teams, we talk about leadership, but that's also leadership is, is putting the faith in the people and then having them really in this high-stress environment, but doing it in their own way and not necessarily the way everybody else does it. For sure, for sure. I mean, you know, Jimbo stays in there and, and tells Jesse what he wants done, and Jesse just kind of leads the, the kids yeah. out there. And, you know, I can't let you go off of this. I know we're, we're rambling. Me and you are good about rambling. Sure. But, so Thursday, no, this would have been Friday. Bruce Reed's been here, you know, yes. Australian, been doing an amazing job helping Jimmo out. So he was surprised with his son and future sister-in-law flew over. So they, they, they came in, which was really cool, you know, to obviously go on and win the race the way we did. Yeah. First time that they, but obviously first, first trip to St. Louis and, and both of those people work on Bruce's car. Phil Reed, the driver, was also flew in, and he's been at the last couple, you know. So that that was pretty special. And for me, my my longest bestest friend, who never goes anywhere, was there, you know. So we had a heck of a family weekend, along with the kids, obviously getting their third one in there. Yeah, and I, I got to meet your sisters. Yes, yes. I had never met your sisters before. We did our uh, this insider live in the pits, and I was I was standing there, and and they came over and said, "Hey, it was it was a great chat." Yeah, it's it's so so much more fun, you know, when when you've got family there, you know, and me and you travel so much. That's not always an right. option, right? You know, we we have uh, a different kind of vagabond lifestyle, or yeah. whatever you want to call it, whatever it is we do, you know. So when you can you know, have people basically join you in your job and then have a, a huge day like that, you know, it's pretty dang special. No, totally. And so looking forward to these last three races, um, I'm not, we're not, I'm not going to talk about, you know, points position, anything like that, but I am, I want to kind of understand if your outlook has changed over these last, looking at these last three races in terms of, you know, why why can't we win a why can't we win a fourth one this year you know why can't we do this again before the end of the season i mean does that does that kind of accurately describe what you're looking at when we go to dallas vegas and pomona 100% 100% i mean i think there is no reason we can't go win dallas i mean everybody says that but you always have a little doubt sure but watching <laughs> I hate to keep saying it, but watching the weather, you know, it's supposed to be middle 80s. That'll mean the track temps, are, you know, on up there a little bit. We can win it. We can win Dallas. And I haven't really put my focus too much past that because, again, we're looking at that top 10. I know what what we got to do, and that's, that's go more rounds than, you know, the good cars that are around us. You know, it's, it's important. So, 
it's just been one of those deals where once we go by first round, you know, there for a little while, if we went by first round, we won. But, (laughs) you know, first round's just been our – I don't know what what would be that, Brian. You're the word guy, Achilles heel. Yeah, I, I guess. Know? Yeah, in, in a lot of ways it was, and it was like, okay, you win. It's like they got it all figured out now. It's like, oh, okay, we're going first round again here. That that was, I mean, that was one of the most bizarre statistics of the of the beginning of the season, where it's like, well, he had four round wins coming into this race, and he got four today. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't I don't think we had it. We did not have a round win at all when we got to Chicago. None. We had one around, you know, it's just, it's wild. But I will say though, even through that, we never had anybody thinking about, Oh, we need to, uh, you know, Jimbo's got to go or Jimbo's got to do something. We never had that, you know, and, and I've been in situations where everybody's, you know, in trouble, but Rick, not once ever said, we got to do something here. Not one time. He's, he's had the belief in, in Jimbo from, from the get-go. And that's been pretty dang cool that, you know, a, a guy that is brand new, got all these brand new toys, yeah, never, never once said, like, oh, I got to do something. He's just had faith in, in this group of people from, from day one, and he was right. Yeah, and, and look, it doesn't matter if it's drag racing or tiddlywinks. If, if you have a – if you have a team that you're going to just constantly have on the edge of their, their balls of their feet thinking that, oh, man, I make a mistake, I'm gone, or you have a team that's not going to be um, groomed together or gelled together, you're going to car- keep taking parts and pieces away from it or moving them around, you're never going to go anywhere. You know, the, the, the reason that those guys are able to sling that motor together in 55 minutes is for the exact stuff we've been talking about because they have some faith in, in who they're working for and what they're working for. Without that, you got nothing. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Everybody's everybody knows the next dance move. Yeah. You know, they've been they've been dancing together all yeah. year. So it's just been such a fun season. You know, for, for me, I've done this for so long, but. I'm having an absolute blast. I mean, I'm just having fun. And I've always loved my job, and I say that all the time, but this season has been especially fun. You know, not not just the wins, but just the people. You know, getting getting to know some, some new kids working on the car and just watching how good they are at it and, and how they've just love it like I do, you know? It's yeah, like, no, it's, it's definitely evident. I mean, it's evident the way the team carries themselves. Whenever we get a camera into the pit area, you know, you, we can pick up on people's kind of body language, and you can kind of see, you know, in the in the close quarters that they work in, you can pick up pretty quick on people that are 100% synced up and and happy with each other and getting the job done as part of a common goal. And then you could look in other pit areas and see guys that are about 30 seconds away from pulling a torque wrench out and bopping somebody on the head with it. So it's, <laughs> it, it, it shows itself pretty, pretty uh, quickly on, on the show. I want to ask you uh, how many more races or will there be any more races? We'll see the comp and Edelbrock uh, names uh, prominently as we saw them in St. Louis. That was for for St. Louis. Okay. You know, last year we did that in Vegas, yes. and of course, you know, we took the car to SEMA. So they they pick one a year. Cool. And again, you know, they're they're not that far from from yeah. where I live here, and we do do some fun stuff together. You know, we we did a cruise in earlier this year 
where I live, we went to Munford and we had a, it was one I hosted, Donna and I hosted, and we had a pile of participation from, from Edelbrock and Comp Cams and had 140 cars show up for that deal. We raised $8,000 for the animal rescue, which Amazing. was awesome. Yeah, you know, and so they're, they're holding this one this Saturday, and who knows what else we'll do. Whenever they've got something going and I'm off, you know, a I just enjoy it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's fun. And I think that, uh, you know, we will do who knows what with them next year, but it, it'll continue going. You know, it's been a, I don't want to say a lifelong, but it's been a, a majority of my yeah. life kind of thing working with comp cams. And then obviously the last few years when they merged with Edelbrock, you know, it's, yes. it's been fun to work with again, two huge iconic names in the hot riding world is, is a blast. Yeah, and to bring it to the winner's circle makes that uh, makes that whole thing uh, all that much more sweet. All right, so yeah. we've, we've talked uh, we've talked a little bit about Dallas, but the one last thing I want to talk to you about is twenty top fuel cars. Man, there's going to be twenty top fuel cars down there. It's going to be awesome. It really is. I mean, what we have we had eighteen, nineteen yes. this past week here in yep. St. Louis. You know, and when you think about. I don't know how well I guess it was the very last session that Brittany got in you know yeah, you got Brittany, like, yeah Brittany got in the last session I mean it was and Robert was also out in the last session of funny car but there was a lot of moving around there in top fuel a lot and then you've got you know I guess Lex June 392 and, and yeah buddy Hull 392 you know it's uh it was wild and I was like man been in that spot before it's no fun when you're rolling through the water knowing it's got to go down through here because it's a bump spot that you can't pedal your way to yeah you know it's 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 fun you know so it's more fun when you're you go 374 on your first run and you know okay i'm in i don't have to worry about yeah that that takes the pressure off for sure it was brought up during the weekend that it's been a couple years ago but the bump spot was like 11 seconds or something like that. And our coupler come out of the, oh, the back God. of the dragster. I remember that. And I couldn't make the car go 11 seconds. It's like, how can nobody not make a, a top field car go 11 <laughs> seconds? And, you know, but it's but possible. These are the, yes, <laughs> I've done it, these, <laughs> yeah. These are the kind of things that can happen when you've got that many cars, you know, it's just wild. What, what it makes the, the the level of competition go to, you know, I don't know what will happen in Dallas with that many cars, but the sports get, is healthy. You know, people, me and you see it on social media all the time. Anybody yeah. that thinks, oh, you know, it's almost over with, tracks are closing. Okay, tell all those people that were there for the sellout that, you know, yeah. drag racing is going away. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, I, I get frustrated with it. I know you do, and and both of us, I, I believe, are pretty positive guys. And you know, the only way to, you know, to me, the only way you combat that is with is with positivity and like, hey, listen, you know, I can get I can get in the trench with anybody and yell at them, but it's like I'd rather I'd rather show you the evidence as to why you're wrong as to just insult your insult my own intelligence by acting like a moron you know so i try to i try to fight it that way but um i think we're in a good spot man i think when we look at the car counts and we look at you know the the races we have coming up we 
we always have huge crowds in Vegas. Of course, Stampede of Speed is a week long, you know, massive event in in uh, Dallas. We got that In and Out deal going on in in Pomona, and then we have our In and Out finals. That's to me a race that's starting to come back. It's obviously a place we want to have full every year, and um, we're starting to see some improvements out there as far as the uh, attendance goes. So. We got announcements coming the next couple weeks of what racetracks is that those two TBD tracks on the schedule. Those are going to be coming out the next few weeks. So, yeah, like you, there's there's not a lot to, for me to sit around and mope around about when we talk about the sport. It's not. It's not. I mean, and it's not just NHR drag racing. Correct. You you know you just participated in a bit in Drag Week. You yeah. know that was sold out in a matter of minutes. Minutes. You know, sick week, same thing. Rocky Mountain Race Week. There is so many cars that are that are out there. You know, besides what we do with the nitro yes. cars, I'm, I know for a fact. We keep mentioning Campanella Brock. I know they are overloaded with orders. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so our our world's in pretty good shape, and the racing world is. Hey, we all get challenges, and that's uh, and that's what you know keeps us on our toes. But it's what. Guys like you and me and the other people that are, you know, invested our lives in this sport, that's um, that's our passion, and, and that's why we keep kind of blowing the horn for it. So, man, I always love catching up with you, Clay. Congratulations on the win in St. Louis. It was, uh, as they all are, it was fun to watch, but that one um, that one maybe even more so because uh, you guys battled for it and uh, ultimately came out on top. Man, I appreciate it. It was, again, just for me, one of those weekends with, you know, family um, – multiple spots there you know hot racetrack jimbo getting it done and uh golly it was just amazing for sure can't wait for for dallas stick around i'll be back in just a moment with some final thoughts on this episode of the nhra insider and with that, we have come to the end of another episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. Great conversations with both Greg Anderson and, of course, the always awesome Clay Milliken. You know, two guys that um, certainly didn't come out of nowhere, to, but two guys who have all of a sudden injected a whole different kind of conversation into this countdown. Greg now second of the points, Clay eighth, but that eighth, as I mentioned before, is rather deceptive. A strong weekend could move them into the top five very, very quickly. We will be back at the Texas Motorplex in two weeks for the fall Texas Nationals as part of the Stampede of Speed. We're going to have qualifying Friday night. There's going to be bonus money. There's all kinds of cash flying around down there, and there is events going on all weekend long. You can go to the Texas Motorplex website to really key in on what's happening, whether it's the concert, the champion's dinner, the Nitro Sideshow, some of the door slammer stuff they got going on before the national event kicks off. All of it is going to be wild, and all of it is going to be awesome down there in Ennis, Texas. Thanks for listening to this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. We'll be back next week with a pretty in-depth breakdown of what we should expect to see in Dallas, Texas, who needs to get their stuff figured out in the immediate future to have any shot left, who's out, and who we think are going to lock down championships. That's all going to be coming next week on The Insider. I'm Brian Loans. As always, thanks for listening.